Welcome to the latest episode of 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I've got two swarthy gentlemen uh, in the room with me. Let's start with um, the, the, the freshest one, John Martheller. How are you? Many people have said to me that I'm the freshest, swarthy person they know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least in this room, you are definitely the freshest, swarthy person. So, and, and then also, Jeff is very—he's a very stale, swarthy presence. He's always here. Yeah, yep. and that so, guy—that yeah. guy speaking in the third person—is uh, Jeff Reuter. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Uh, it's Halloween. Uh, I'm surprised Jack Blake didn't take your safari hat for Halloween. Yeah, I'm. I'm. He has his own. Guy oh, you know, a, he, he has, has many own. safari uh, did, did, uh You're obviously dressed up in Halloween costumes right now. Do you want to, this whole podcast is being uh, broadcast in, in costume. Do you guys want to tell tell everyone who you're dressed up as? Yeah, I've I've grown my beard out a little bit, and I've got cool shoes on, and I'm Bruce McGuire. Oh, former nice. Former Fantastic. Podcast host with Wes. I'm yeah. just trying to give him a little bit. I'm going to be great. I'm going to be kind but angry. He was the first person I asked to come on, <laughs> and then he said he had something. He was busy. Yeah, he had so. anything else he wanted. Yeah, to I, do. I get it. I have so. nothing going on, <laughs> so, so I'm here. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I stuck to the McGuire theme, and I'm wearing my Tommy Bahama shirt, my khaki shorts, and my New Balance tennis shoes to be Doctor Bill. Yeah, that's great. Um, which is weird. So I am uh, dressed up because I'm bald. I have a limited amount of uh, people who I can dress up as. So I'm here as Don Garber. I mm-hmm. uh, shaved off my beard, uh, not wearing the glasses, and uh, I bathed in money this morning. You look so. like a naked cat, I have to be honest with you. <laughs> a swarthy naked cat. A swarthy uh, naked cat. So on this uh, episode of 55.1, we are going to uh, we're gonna spend the bulk of the show uh, recapping uh, the season for Minnesota United FC. We are going to talk about MLS playoffs, we are going to talk about, we've got some good, bad, and weird, but mainly it's just good, bad, and the weird of Minnesota United. We also have a whole host of Twitter questions. No one is uh, taking me up on the offer of sending uh, other types of questions in via non-Twitter formats, but um, I guess... None showed up in the mail this week, is what you're saying? No, none showed up, nothing, yeah, no one ever emails me, so... Uh, but I, I do want to hear um, feedback as well. You know, questions are great. And then send, drop me a line, Wes Berdine at 55.1. Uh, you even have a rhyme with it. How can they not send you an email? So send him your emails right now just saying, I listened to this and I heard your rhyme. Yeah, and I think go. he'll be happy. I'm not sure if the email's set up. I just set it up uh, like a month ago. One way so. to find out. So we need like a code word. So, yeah. so we're sure they listen. <laughs> yeah. Put marigold in the subject marigold line. Marigold. Marigold. So let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's do the big quarters thing. Welcome back. I'm Wes, and I'm with John and Jeff. We are going to talk about the good, the bad, and the weird. I think, actually, we only really have good and the weird here. But let's start with the good, which was uh, yesterday. We're recording on a Monday. Sunday was uh, MLS uh, not quarterfinal, uh, mm-hmm. first leg of the quarterfinals, and it was, it was a doozy day. There's some great games. There so. were, which is surprising. The The first leg of these two-leg series is usually a little more dull than the second. You know, a lot of teams just kind of resting players. And then for these lower seeds, too, they were coming off of matches on Wednesday and Thursday. So a lot of them had short rest. And yet, because they were hosting, um, all of these were, with a save for Montreal, were the three-seed or the four-seed, which means they hosted midweek, and they stayed home. 
And uh, they shut out the one seeds and the two seeds collectively by a score of seven to nil across four matches. Yeah, that 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 having the midweek match off really made a big difference for a lot of teams this week. Oh yeah, they completely forgot how to play soccer. It was unbelievable. MLS is a a league of home teams, yes. right? Home home advantage is is absolutely huge, and it just it proved uh, so so true this game. Uh, the biggest surprise has to be the Seattle uh, Dallas drubbing. Um, it was about I think eight minutes of just pure. Cra- it was a fantastic game. Pure craziness, um, and three goals go in. All of a sudden, Dallas FC Dallas, who everyone was like, "Oh, Oscar Pereja is is uh, is Jesus. He's future U.S. Men's National." Anytime someone says this guy's a future U.S. Men's National Team coach, you know it's like, "Oh, that guy's screwed." <laughs> it's so over. It's, it's, it's the, over for the Oscar curse, Pereja now. <laughs> the curse of Christ and Vermees and and Pereja. Yeah. Um, so uh, we we so should, we're looking we, at you, Tata Martino. What we should have said last week is that Gio Savarisi is the next U.S. men's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, you Tata said it now. Martino, though. Yeah. yeah, so we're done. Yeah, so, so don't hire him, Minnesota. Yeah, um, it was bizarre. We've also accepted Nelson Valdez as a lesser prophet. Yep. After <laughs> scoring Proven playoff goal scorer Nelson Valdez, exactly. Who needs Clint Dempsey when you? Who have... needs to play any of the season? Right. Throw Nelson Valdez in there. He'll get you goals. With Nelson Dose instead of Deuce for Clint Dempsey, Valdez. And he comes in. He scores. He gets injured in the 55th minute, so he's taken out. I don't know if the Dallas loss is actually that much of a surprise to me. I didn't expect them to concede thrice, but they did lose Mauro Diaz and Fabian Castillo during the season to uh, injury and then transfer, respectively. And so that's that was their entire offense for the first half of the season. And so they kind of coasted in a way to win the supporter shield, and then they brought back 57-year-old Carlos Ruiz, which yep. didn't look to be doing too much for them. <laughs> I discovered this on, on Twitter today. Someone pointed out that... Um, so Matt Hedges is one of those uh, defenders who I uh, dream about. Covet. Covet. Well, dream about. That way I can make it more erotic. Uh, and uh, apparently Matt's sister works at the U of M in the, the Gophers sporting department. Yeah, in the athletic compliance office. Do you know her? No, oh, not okay. at all. You just know that she works. Okay, I was, uh, you, the way you said that, yeah, she works in uh, office. Sorry, three, I saw her Twitter bio years. like everyone did when you like, tweeted uh, it. Who, okay. Tammy? Yeah, she's yeah. great. I was expecting that. So I, I, I suddenly started to dream that, that she, she would come it's to, happening. to Minnesota. That's it's, all we need to start confirmed. a rumor. There's no better way to lure a player to a city than offer up. <laughs> Yeah, living his, near his, his sister. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, maybe they're really close. They're really buds. So anyway, Matt Hedges. Uh, Matt Hedges coming to Minnesota. Confirmed. Good. Done. Uh, the other matches, Montreal won up over... Uh, Re, uh, I was going to say... Real Bulls New Real. York. <laughs> I, I, instead of New York, New York Red Bulls, I wrote RBNY, which is... I know that some people prefer that, but I got confused. LA Galaxy won one up over Colorado. That's that one was the the least surprise to yeah. me. The Galaxy will be in the conference finals for sure. Yeah, um, and then Toronto two two nil up over NYCFC. That one's not a surprise, but for me, I thought well, they still can make it happen. I thought NYCFC would just do it. I, for some reason, I just thought that they would. That and then the coach played a goalkeeper who made one start in the regular season and benched both Pirlo and Lampard, and it was over. Who was playing goal? Uh, not Aaron Johansson. I think it was Emil Johansson. Emil Johansson. Okay. Yeah. 
I was going to say, yeah, Aaron Neal Hudson's also not a goalkeeper. Um, oh, interesting. And I, doesn't I guess, play for NYC. I watched, I mean, not I watched, yet. I watched half that game and didn't realize that it wasn't uh, Droopy Dog in, nope. in there. Um, right, okay. Let's just skip the bad and let's go right to the weird. Let's this go is right to the weird. The yeah. weirdest of the weird. And I have to be honest, when I saw this was the weird for the episode that we have John Marthaler for, I don't know why, but it just warmed my heart to hear your reaction to what happened here. Do you know this story? I, I hadn't heard this story until I read it. Oh, in this you document. Never, never read ahead in, in, in the script. But um, basically, <laughs> so this, this comes out of uh, South Africa. Um, and I'll just read, actually, this is, this is the um, subheadline. The, the, uh, yep. Soccer star dropped from national team after farting in coach's face. Tokelo, Tokelo Ranti pulled down his pants and let one rip. I love that he pulled down his pants. Like, he yeah. didn't... He didn't allow anything. We're going any, full junior high here. Yeah, no, we don't know if he we don't know if he got out the cigarette lighter and tried yeah. to light it or anything. But no, he definitely had it just bare cheeked out there. No cloth between, uh, yeah, and let one rip in the direction of Bafana Bafana coach Ephraim Shakes Mashaba a few days ago <laughs> in one of the most bizarre acts of obstinacy ever seen in the national. Is team. his nickname really Shakes, or did you add that? It's uh, <laughs> I, I copied and pasted the the, the subhead. So. Ephraim Shakes Mashaba. What do you have to do to earn a nickname? So of much name, so much name in one. Shakes person. sounds to me like a like a nineteen eighties nickname. Like he was he, he like, <laughs> like had like screech he had or something. Some, no, he had like some good moves on the pitch, and they were like, "Oh yeah, Shakes, man!" In their weird <laughs> South African accent. <laughs> So, and that's the story. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, on it. I think Ephraim Shakes Mashaba should be a future U.S. men's national team coach. It's very clear that he has the respect of all of his players <laughs> and knows how to rally the troops and uh, a keen recognition for uh, a good situation and a bad situation. Yeah. Tokelo Ranti is not a bad name no. either. No, there's, there's, there's some... I mean, the whole South African team, the entire nation of South Africa has some good names. All good names. Yep. That's a it's a good name country. Statement. Yeah. Shabalala, Mandela. That's, this Speaking is an of, amazing story. Soccer should have more farting in people's faces. Yeah. So let's actually let's move on right to uh, the good, the bad, the weird of this year for Minnesota United. Let's start first with this last weekend, the final game up at Nessie. New York Cosmos won one nothing, but um, for for many reasons, it was a crazy night. Uh, it was a crazy emotional night for uh, for some people. If it was for me, but also just. It, that second half was absolute ape shit. I mean, it was just full on attack by Minnesota United. Damian Low literally the, standing in the penalty area for like yeah, yeah. Straight he was minutes. the right winger for probably twenty yeah, minutes and, there. And then right, Jimmy Maurer standing on his head doing you know, it was it was remarkable. They should have scored seventeen. I don't know how. I think uh, Jimmy did make eight saves, um, and they weren't like uh, you know the ball dribbled to him saves. It was a. Uh, it was wild. Is there anything to say about the game? They lost to New York again. That was disappointing. Yeah. I just losing to the Cosmos after shooting after having forty nine shots in the second half and not being able to put one away, and the Cosmos getting one good chance or two good chances and putting it away. It was just like the perfect coup de gras for the NASL yeah. era for Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is how things have worked over the past three years. There was no other way it could have ended. Yep. I think, what was it, all three matches this year were 1-0 with the home team winning. Or no, because the Cosmos clearly... <laughs> well, they don't have a home. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they rented yeah. out Nessie for the day. Who knows? But it, the game itself was 
bizarre in a way, but obviously it felt secondary the entire night to everything yeah. that was going on in the stands with the dark clouds, the TNE with, uh, I mean, just everyone. Like, I haven't seen, so on, on corner kicks, the dark clouds will twirl their scarves, and I think TNE does it too with the here we go, here we go. And I swear half of the fans in the stadiums that weren't in the supporter section were mm-hmm. doing that along with. Like, mm-hmm. everyone was just so into it. I haven't heard it get that loud since the last time the Cosmos were in town, right. but that was after Christian's goal. Right. So the atmosphere was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, I came into that match saying, all I wanted, to, I don't care if they win. I don't care about the playoffs. I would love to be in the playoffs. I'd love to do that, but... Um, I just wanted them to not be bad. You know, just play a good game, whatever. Some bad call or some stupid, you'll give up a, a goal on the counter or something like that, and that'll happen. But um, I, I thought that, that everyone put in a, a remarkable shift. I thought it was just, it was one of those games you just lose, and, and you're right, it's secondary. Um, it was a one nothing loss that fans, I think, could be proud of, right? Rather than some of the losses they've had to New York or the rest of the season, yeah. that have been disheartening and right. just made you angry about. Right. I just didn't want them to come when, when the players came around. I knew that they'd all come around and shake everyone's hand. I didn't want the, uh, them to lose three nothing and then come over and I didn't want it to be about that because that, that's stupid. Like, yeah, you should have not lost three nothing. Great, but let's. You know, so it was nice when they all came around. Um, it was great to go up to the scoreboards one more time and just shake everyone's hand and just say thanks. You know, thanks Viva, thanks JD, thanks. You know, especially the guys you know aren't going to be there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and some of them, some of them I know, some of them I, I've spoken to once or twice, some of them I've never spoken to at all. Um, but it, it was it was really good. Manny Camp came through. Eventually, the coaching staff all came through. It, it was it was really nice and special to to be able to to personally thank everyone. And then afterward, I mean, both Nick and Bill also came down to the to the field level, congratulated the Cosmos, and then I mean, arms around players, thanking them for their time, or probably trying to give some sort of sales pitch or whatever. Um, but just genuinely, it looked like everyone was. You know, it was bittersweet. It, yeah. uh, this entire season, um, and we'll talk about the the season as a whole reactionarily after the break. But this entire season, the team had been stuck in two different realms about focusing about this season, but then also really looking ahead to setting up the next twenty plus in MLS. And so, after which the league will be canceled. Exactly, and then we'll be moving on to I don't know playing checkers professionally for a living. Uh, High Lie will, will finally have its day. <laughs> um, and yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, they'd been stuck in both of these. And it was like they could right. finally shut the door. And to their credit, I feel like they did kind of close that era off right. You know, and were very gracious about it. Very, I mean, humbled, certainly on the field, but also seemed to show that they enjoyed their time and they learned a lot from being in the NASL. Yep, they canceled their plan ceremony to burn an effigy of Bill Peterson at <laughs> center the middle of the field at the halftime. That wasn't a good idea and they decided not to do it and I commend them for that. Yeah, and so they did well, probably another dance class. Yes. Do you remember that this year? Where there was like a dance class at halftime and Ibsen was dancing oh. with a bunch of small children? Ibsen did? I missed that. No, yeah. I, I think I... Ibsen can't help himself. He just got to dance. Yeah. He's got the music in him. You can't, can't contain Ibsen. No, you can't. Let's uh, let's uh, have a dance break ourselves and come back, and then we'll do the whole season recap. 
And welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. We've got Wes sitting across from me. We've got John Marthaler sitting here gearing himself up because we're going to do another bonus heaping of the good, the bad, and the weird. And we're probably going to do three heapings of it. Uh, That's a at, lot of heaping. That is yeah. too many, many heapings. heapings. Yeah. We're still we're preparing for Thanksgiving. We've got four weeks to get ready. What better way to do it than a triple course? We're putting on our Thanksgiving pants. Weird. So we're changing out of the Maguire uniforms, the Garber uniform, into our Thanksgiving pants, and that's it. I do want. I do want to cover this though, because it's Halloween, and I just um, gave out a lot of candy to kids. Uh, favorite, the favorite candy, Hall- Halloween candy, I should say. What does that eliminate by yeah. clarifying Halloween? So it has well, to be chocolate? So it can't be like sweet tarts or circus peanuts or no, something I guess, like that? Right. that I'll just say favorite out. candy. I, I don't know. I, I was just favorite favorite candy. Okay. There, and then also, what's what's the, the worst one to get for Halloween? Ooh. Hmm. All right. Favorite? Yeah. Snickers? Okay. Worst one to get for Halloween, because I hate it, licorice of any kind. I hate licorice, too. Licorice is the worst thing. But black licorice is, is the No, the black licorice is terrible. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I would say favorite Kit Kat. Okay. Quick and easy. I don't hate myself after eating it for some reason, though I should. <laughs> well, it's the health candy bar. It's the health candy. Yeah. It's the, the candy it's the, of It's the one you eat while running it's a marathon. Exactly. Kale and nougat and then chocolate. And yeah. Yes, all of it. And then my least favorite is Bitto Honey. But only because I've never seen a Bitto honey in good condition, and they always seem to be really <laughs> melted, like you've already chewed it half and then put it back in the wrapper for later. I don't even know what a Bitto honey is. It's just a Bitto honey. Imagine a candy candy bar you'd see in a gutter, uneaten, that's been run over by a car. That's Bitto honey. Okay. I will say... Um, no one's ever eaten one. They've thrown them so. on the ground, and they've been hit by right. traffic. Like every it. parade, some poor float, the fire department will go by and throw Bitto honeys, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah. And the kids wait. will just throw them back, pelting fire <laughs> firemen with candy. Well, I think we the, don't want your crappy honey candy fire department. We need to say the that I think that you're just escaping or avoiding the obvious, which is that candy corn is the worst thing ever invented. <laughs> like candy corn is the Hitler of candies. Just wow. doing. I yeah, don't, I don't want to. I don't want to make this personal, but my wife's favorite Halloween snack, maybe any snack, is candy corn mixed with peanuts. And I think she might be a crazy person. I'm starting That's to worry. Bordering about on Hitler. That's Does like... she also have Hitler memorabilia? Up? You know, now that we talk about it. <laughs> oh my goodness, she really loves. You know, she, she, she was saying a lot of good things about National Socialism. Yeah. The other day. All right. Well, then, great. That's that's Ooh. good. Good thing we covered that. Uh, I will. My. What's your favorite? My my favorite. For some reason, whenever I go to movies, I want dots, and I know dots are not particularly good. Whoa. No, but I they're I terrible. Love them. They're but Starburst awful. Starburst is the the greatest candy of all time. But then, why did you say dots? Yeah, because I love dots. That's like your leading, opinion now matters not that's at like all. Because was you saying said you my love absolute dots. dream target forward for the MLS roster is Chad Barrett, but I <laughs> guess I will settle for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> That actually is an extremely good I mean, and two, on topic the two comparison. Might, the two might work together. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Might. Let's start on uh, on actually recapping the season and start with um, do, do you, who wants to go with their good first? Do, I'll do my guess. good first yeah. because I think it probably happened the earliest in the season, and that was Minnesota finally beating New York after any number of games. They played about seven games where they couldn't possibly not beat New York and somehow found a way to not beat the Cosmos. And so when they finally did it, down a man, 90th minute, Christian Ramirez scoring. I think that was probably the pinnacle of this season. And if you look at it, kind of a pinnacle of a couple of, across a couple of years for Minnesota. 
I had forgotten that Damien Lowe got a red card in that match. Yeah, I, I had forgotten it too until you yeah, went through and I, put it I down. Oh yeah, they were down to ten at that time. Uh, that that match was um, you, you talked about the the atmosphere at it, Jeff. The, the response of that, I mean, I there are a few times I remember shit going that crazy, and that's all. They've all been playoffs, right? The play mm-hmm. twenty eleven and twenty twelve. I remember things going crazy, but this was far bigger crowd, and you could, as you said, with that match as well, everyone in whatever seat, not just the the dark clouds or whomever. It was everyone in the stadium getting going crazy, and so yeah, that was that was. I mean, it's one of the top three moments in uh, you know star. If I'm Certainly judging the from history yeah. of since 2010, I'd say yeah, since Dean Johnson ran the Thunder into the ground. Yeah, the post certainly top post three moment. Dean era. Um. Do you have a good you want to go with? Uh, the good I had, I took this a different route because I think you guys chose games <laughs> for these. <laughs> <laughs> just going for a bad instead I'm of I'm just going to say the worst. No, uh, the good for me, I think, was watching the progression of Brent Coleman with extra playing time. Hmm. You know, for the last couple of years, we'd seen him in particular as being Brian's little brother. And that was yeah. the first, second, and third thing that I thought about him, except for when he started growing out his hair. And then... He got a few more minutes during the fall last year. He scored a goal on that road loss against Indy. Mm-hmm. And then he started just about every match this year and looks to be a serious contender for the NASL Best 11. And I, having looked at, I mean, the names that are thrown out alongside him, uh, Pape Diakite, I mean, he scored three goals in the spring, but he was benched by halfway through the fall. I don't think he's really a contender. And then looking through... <laughs> I you got to remember who names the NASL best eleven. They're going to go down yeah. the road. Right. Oh, he scored three he goals. Scored three he goals. must be in. The, he, yeah, yeah. He, How he many led all defenders with three sure. goals? Right. So I, I can't name two center backs that I think are more deserving than Brent this year. So I think seeing his progression this year was uh, a big highlight, especially if you look towards the future. He certainly has come a long way. I remember seeing his first game for first scrimmage for Minnesota down in Faribault at Shattuck St. Mary's, and I remember saying, "This guy's not a professional soccer player." And uh, he just, you know, it was obviously now I look back and think, obviously that was a scrimmage. He's coming from Des Moines, Menace from college. And, um, and you know, then I'd watch him in games, and I remember seeing him in the Swansea match and going like, wow, all right, he just made a mistake right there, but the rest of his game was actually pretty good, that, that game. he I remember only one, one thing. And it used to be then every game he'd have one mistake, and then he'd, he'd get better. But more and more, I don't, remember that many mistakes and there's a lot of mistakes that have happened in that back line um fewer and fewer from him so i that's a that's a, that's a good good excellent it's a double good um <laughs> any thoughts on Coleman? let's hope let's hope that he was good instead of just not being overshadowed by all of the other mistakes that were being made <laughs> yeah by well you know brent made one mistake but i mean he just made well, four mistakes i so. would probably <laughs> quibble with the the best 11 thing but i do think that he has been he has been one of the one of the best uh, performers of the of the year uh, for Minnesota. You know. And, it, you know, it's nice to see from the, I'm a parochial nitwit, so it's nice to see a Minnesota kid that actually had some time to develop into the player he became. You know, he's mm-hmm. been with Minnesota for four, three, three years now, this four years third, now? Yeah. This is his third year. Just given some time to develop, and obviously there were growing pains along the way, but especially over the last couple of years when Minnesota has more brought guys in than developed guys. It's yeah. nice to see somebody getting developed and just following somebody's career like that, which is something that we haven't had a big chance to do lately. Not so. the last few years, yeah. no. My good is August 19th, uh, 
I was in Texas. I had to miss it, but it was finally. <laughs> Wes didn't have to go to the game. That's why yeah, it, was, was, no, it wasn't point. the game. It was it was uh, you know basically Minnesota United and ML and MLS ending the longest will they won't they since Ross and Rachel, and um, and finally actually. Pulling the trigger, although <laughs> the team's seventh and uh, expansion announcement of the year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when although, they were having monthly expansion right. announcements, still was three a... behind Miami. Yeah, <laughs> still have not done Take that, anything. Beckham. <laughs> I drive back. I drive past that stadium site. Still nothing there. So I think, uh, uh, yeah, I think that there needs to be some guerrilla action from the dark clouds. Plant yeah. a flag. Just somebody with a bulldozer doing something. Everyone over has one. But yeah. it's nice to. I mean, that in some ways that moment. Signaled the end of the, this season for the team. The team went on a major slide after that. That's when they went to Jacksonville, and it was crappy. Um, and and I think it was a big distraction for a lot of people. Um, but it was still a pretty fantastic moment uh, for me. You know, I gave probably five or six interviews that week of just like everyone suddenly turning their eyes on Minnesota, and um, and getting to kind of say like. Here's what we're about. And people still, through, nationally, everyone is just like, expects nothing from Minnesota. They just, they don't, a couple, I mean, there are people who like know, oh, the dark clouds, whatever. They, they, they know, but they just don't know what they're going to get. And I think that. Well, we year, don't know what they're going to get. They themselves don't know what they're going to get. Yeah, pl- on the field that we don't know. But right. I think that in general, Everyone's like, oh, Atlanta sold 20,000. And good. Atlanta's been amazing. But I think that I think that the bar for what people expect from Minnesota is very low. And I think I think that they're going to be proven wrong. Well, let's move to the bad here. And let's actually go chronological. Because two of the three did come after that MLS announcement. But you, Wes, uh, yeah, against bad? narrative, you went with the 4th of June. Yeah, which one was it? Wait, hold on. That which... was the uh, Ryo KC road oh, match. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, so I was again. The my my all my moments are when I was uh, traveling. Yep. I was in Pennsylvania, watching on a shitty internet stream. Everyone's in bed. I'm like it, my, at my in laws, and uh, I couldn't believe. I mean, that's that's the a night when I went on a just absolute tirade on on Twitter and just said, this team, it's fucking unbelievable. They they have no plan B. They they're an amazing team to watch. And this was the Manny era as well, when Manny's team was at its best. Um, sure, you can pass the ball around, but it's like you basically are going to pass the ball hoping that you can get the other team to drop it to panties so that you can then score on them. Like, you, you, there's That's an no, assaulty metaphor. There, yeah, there was no, no... But not wrong. <laughs> no incisive attack. Um, and it was extremely frustrating because it was against Ryo OKC's... B squad, everyone was injured or suspended or whatever. Ryo OKC are a fucking mess. And somehow we lost. And um, that game, I mean, you can point to a lot of games, but the points lined up where that win and us losing to them put them in the playoffs instead of us. Yeah. Um, so it's that's that was an intensely frustrating moment. And there were many frustrating moments after that. Uh, I mean... Our bads could be what you've got the <laughs> Miami. I know you've got yeah. one you're about to talk about. The Minis- the United season recap video could be titled, and somehow they lost. Yeah, 
Yeah, but there were a few games that were just utter capitulations. Uh, and don't worry, we're going to talk so. about three of them in a row, apparently. Uh, yeah, yeah. From so. the 17th of September, where we lost 2-3 at home to Ottawa, with two goals conceded after the 83rd minute, to the next week in Ottawa, where we lost 1-3, again, two goals conceded after the 81st minute, two, as John pointed out... Hey, right at the start of October, they played Jacksonville at home. Jacksonville is an awful soccer team. Yes. There's no beating around the bush. Minnesota was in the middle of a playoff chase. They're obviously supposed to be one of the league's best team to lose one nothing at home to Jacksonville. To a team that has only won one previous match away from home. Yes. Ever. Maybe ever. Maybe not the worst team in NASL history, but definitely the worst road team in NASL history. Just a terrible soccer team to come into Minnesota and win one nothing in the middle of a playoff run. That was the moment. They played the rest of the season, but they didn't have to. And what hurt more is that the, the two losses leading up to it, which turned the Jacksonville into a must-win, and anytime you say this home match against Jacksonville is a must-win, that should be a given that you'll win it. But the two weeks before it, they lost to Ottawa. Ottawa took, they also drew the spring game in what felt like a win for Ottawa um, off of a deflection off of Jeb Brofsky and Sammy Najak misreading a bounce and having not spent time in a trampoline in a while. <laughs> and Ottawa took seven points in those three matches and took 24 points in their remaining 29 matches against the rest of the league. And just for comparison, Puerto Rico in 22 matches had 24 points. So seven more matches than Puerto Rico, same amount of points for this Ottawa team if you take out the Minnesota matches. For yeah. whatever reason, they knew exactly what it would take to beat Minnesota late. Oh, and let's not forget that Minnesota also lost at home to Puerto Rico coming down the stretch. Another rotten soccer team. That's right. Yeah. Or the 1-1 the one, one draw. Was, was it? Was it a draw or a loss? They conceded an own now. goal, so it didn't really feel like yeah. a draw at all. Yeah. Um, Either way, it was awful. Bad times. Yeah, it was draw. Miserable. Because then they went away and drew, I think, as well. Yeah. Um... So, the weirds. I didn't write a weird uh, for this, but anyone have a, a weird that, that's worthwhile? The only weird I could come up with, and I could not go back and actually find what had happened, but this has happened a couple of times over the past couple of years, where defenders, usually, Calvano, usually Tiago Calvano and someone, have to be physically separated by teammates during the middle of a match from brawling in their own penalty area. That's just... yeah. It's strange to me how often that happens. I Viva is usually probably involved. Yeah, it was that, probably so. both of those two. Yeah. Match made Just, in heaven. Yeah, there was another time where Sammy and... Viva. Some, and Viva. Yeah, so the, the list of people with eyes for Viva. We have Tiago Calvano, we have Sammy Najak, and we have Leslie Jones, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. They all want a piece of him in very different that. ways. There's your weird, Wes. So Leslie Jones, everyone, for, if you don't know this, I'm sorry for you. Go look it up. Leslie Jones on Twitter. You know Leslie Jones from Ghostbusters 2 or Saturday Night Live. Um, discovered soccer last week uh, with Messi and Iniesta or someone. Uh, and she was, and then you could you could tell like throughout the um, American social media soccer uh, community. Uh, there was a trembling. There was like, yeah, there was like a disturbance, and everyone, every social media manager was suddenly like, not, I, I not, need that. Not a disturbance, it was a tingle. Yeah, a tingle, <laughs> yeah. A, 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 yeah. Um, uh, and so <laughs> then this weekend, she just apparently spent the entire weekend watching soccer because then she would just put up all these videos of herself hollering at uh, and catcalling. Uh, players and weirdly enough, on Saturday night she's watching New York Cosmos versus Minnesota, and it's Jimmy Maurer and she's going, and then 
Viva, and I forget what she says. She's like, she's, hey, hey, hey. Says, oh, hey. that one. I want. Oh, yeah. I want that one. I think it yeah. was. It was amazing. So, uh, yeah, it was. It was beautiful. I I immediately uh, texted Eric Durkee, uh head of PR for Minnesota, and said, "Why don't you have Viva watch Ghostbusters two and holler back at her and and put that video on the internet." <laughs> It has has that happened ha- yet? It has not happened yet. So disappointing. I don't know. I, yeah, the, the tingling in- hasn't reached Minnesota. So that's yet. that's my, my weird. Uh, All right, my it, weird is less fun than fighting or tinglings. Um, <laughs> it's a lack of ambitious signings, and I think looking at what changed from the NASL modern NASL goal scoring leading team in 2015, and then this team in 2016, without all the superlatives. I look at the transactions of who Manny and the the rest of the tech staff, does he have a tech staff, brought in um, before the season. Before 2015, the three most prominent signings were Sami Najak, Khalif Al-Hassan, and Ibsen. All of them are very high-potential players, especially when you look at what the team had around them. Sami has the potential on his best day to be the best goalkeeper in the NASL. There are very few things that I feel like Matt Van Okel can do that Sammy Najak couldn't do better. You look at Khalif Al-Hassan, on his best day, he can curl in a free kick like no one else in the league. He can play centrally and be a distributor for wing players like Ibarra and Watson or for Krishna Ramirez. And then you look at Ibsen, who, as everyone says in any article or anything piece about Ibsen, is the most talented player on Minnesota United. Then you look at 2016 and their big ambitious signings were Pino and Lang. I'd say maybe we, Ben Spees, too. But, and then we'll look at the MLS guys. Spees, we didn't see a lot of in MLS. So, yeah, I'll agree. He probably fits the profile more. But Danny Cruz, you know what you're getting with Danny Cruz. Yeah. Danny Cruz was good this year. Yeah. I'll give him a good grade for this year. Yeah. But there was never going to be a, I think, that he could go win the Golden Boot. Jeb Brofsky, good player. Filled up very well when Kevin Venegas went down with an injury against Bournemouth. Filled in for two months at right back. Did very well, unfortunately, towards ACL. Hoping for a speedy recovery from him. You yeah. knew what you were going to get with Jeb Brofsky. Yeah. There weren't many signings that had the spark or the yeah. excitement that like Sammy, Khalif, Ibsen carried with them. And I think okay. that maybe that showed as you went into the season. Yeah. It, did, it did feel like they were pre-selecting guys... To get them out of the expansion draft, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right. well, let's just get these guys before we have to use an expansion draft. Right. Again. I mean, that's in in some ways that's great because you get a chance to look at them. But exactly, those are exactly the guys you would get with an expansion draft, and they'd be fine takes from an expansion yeah. draft. I'm not saying they aren't solid yeah. players, but that's right. They're so not exciting. We'll talk more about uh, about that in in just a minute because I want to go through now and um, and grade certain parts of the year and we'll we'll talk about the front office grade uh, last. But I want to talk about the play players on the the pitch and I want to get kind of everyone's uh, take on goalkeeping. How what grade would you give the goalkeeping this year? Are we, uh, are we doing? Go ahead, Jeff. Are we, no, are we doing an A through F scale? Yeah, yeah, sure. Or are we going to do a or you can Rod, make up Roger Ebert star scale? Whatever you want. Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Two Just thumbs make up. Make a noise. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone it has will to know. be a Price is Right yeah. noise. Though. Ooh, I like this. What's the Plinko song? I don't know. Right. Uh, anyway, so goalkeeping. Do the yodeler thing. The <laughs> <guy who> goes, <laughs> um, so the goalkeeping. This year, you know, you had Sammy and Jock, and then the br- brief period of Stuart Seuss, um, and 
I mean, the period of Stuart Seuss, we got to make a lot of Dr. Seuss jokes, jokes, and yeah. that was fun. Yeah. yeah. But that's about all I have to and say you, about you Stuart And you got Seuss. to sing Stuart Seuss, Stuart Seuss, Stuart Seuss, Stuart Seuss, Stuart Seuss. So that was good. But I, he was not good. Stuart Seuss. He had one He had one good period, and then basically it was just like... It and was then he was in net for the Miami 4-0 yeah. drubbing at home. Yeah, and uh, he was he was culpable, or at least part partially culpable for, for a couple a few of them. Yeah, I, I mean, Sammy, we can just say this: he's fine, but the abiding memory of the whole year is going to be him throwing the ball in his own net during a friendly. Yeah, yeah, we got to talk about that. A or little bit. Uh, there was there was another howler in Ottawa, right? Well, yeah, the Ottawa bounce. Yeah, which is the worst dance craze sweep in Canada right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, the Ottawa bounce. Oof. Yeah, well, they. I mean, honestly. I, Canadian dance crazes are... It might just be them trying to stay warm in the fish house. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's just the crash chest dummies still around. <laughs> are they Canadian? Yeah. Really? Oh. Are they still around? I, see, now you're beyond my crash chest dummies knowledge. I'm... You didn't know this was part of it. Oh. Everyone's like suddenly turning their bass down. Oh. Okay. Um, um, so do, would you give it... Uh, I'm going to say it improved. Let's say first semester... I'm going to give it a D second semester. I'm going to give it a B plus because I think there are games that Sammy kept us in range for once he came back. I, I think you could look through Sammy's whole career with Minnesota United and say, this guy is a B plus goalkeeper with F moments. That's a good yeah, way to put I'd, it. I'd go, I'd give him a, 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 I'm not going pluses or minuses, but, but B level. He did make up for that, but there were a couple, couple big moments. Although it did get, it, it, it was well publicized. Whether or not that's a good thing, whether or not uh, you can say all good PR, all good PR is is all bad PR is all PR is good PR. Whatever it is, there it is. Whether or not you, you can't can say, say any it, of that obviously because we can't remember how the yeah. saying goes. All right, uh, defending. Ooh, uh, I think probably you would be down in the uh, not passing range. The Depending on how your school grades it, maybe that's a C minus. Maybe anything below is a C is not passing. The hey, can you come in after school today and talk about your child? Yep, that range. Yep, where you still think that there's hope and you think it's worth talking when about. When your parents are retired, required yeah. to come to parent teacher conferences, right. and it's not just an opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's not basically that to talk about the fact that your kids are fighting on the pitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you have. I think um, does Justin, not play well with others. Justin Davis was not helped by the fact that um, he was playing with different kinds of players. Uh, rather than a Miguel in front of him, right? Um, but he didn't have a very good year, I don't think. Individually, no. Um, Viva, I think, had an amazing spring. I think Viva, I said this, during the spring I said, Viva is the best player in the league right now. And then he uh, needed surgery. Thanks, yeah, Wes. Yep, and then he, he got injured. Um, he came back believing. and eventually, on, and never really, you know, he didn't have that many games back. He had a few, uh, several, but, um, and filling in for him, Damian Lowe was terrible at right back. Jeb Brovsky eventually um, held it down all right, but, you but lost that, that the was a period where spark. we didn't give up goals, right? But we didn't score we, goals yeah. either. But yeah. Brovsky never made it into the other team's half. Yeah, before. right. Uh, Tiago Calvano was obviously just 
really old. We didn't talk about how Tiago came in as a midfielder last match. <laughs> that's true. That? That's right. He was uh, <laughs> he was um, just standing there. At and some like, point, I looked and was like, "Where the f- did he come from?" Because there like, two center backs at halftime. They took off like I think it was Ibsen or Blake. Yeah, it was Ibsen. It was Ibsen, and then they put in Calvano. And I made the joke to my brother. I was like, hey, "Like for like, assuming that they would do like a three-five-two finally after yeah. we've been hoping for it all year, and just have Davis and Venegas on the wings." Nope. <laughs> Jokes on you guys yeah. because. They're just going to put him in at central midfield right alongside yeah. Jack Blake, and he is going to be a box-to-box midfielder. <laughs> and the number of times think- I screamed, just shoot it at Tiago Calvano in that half. Do you think T- Jack and Tiago have exchanged more than three words all season? Ooh, and what are those three words? Uh, Tiago has gin two of them, and, and they're both swear words. <laughs> As in, Tiago said, get me a gin and tonic. Um, right, uh, Tiago... Uh, that was know. during the All game. Those during I, the I think, as you as you said, <laughs> there's like there's a great picture on Twitter, by the way, while we're both trying to stop laughing, of Jack Blake holding a strongbow by TNE and like doing the thing that like you twirl it around, but it looks like he's never held alcohol before, <laughs> and he's just holding it so far away from his body and just kind of shaking it, and it just warms my heart. Is that... it like a pumpkin spice latte? Is <laughs> that what I'm supposed to do with it? Am Sip I allowed to drink this, mother? Yeah, right. Can we read some poetry now? <laughs> it's just—it's a beautiful picture. We love you, Jack. It's funny because he's tall. Um, we love you, Jack. We right. So, uh, defending, I will give—I will give a yeah, C minus. I, I think um, there were promising moments from all of that, but there were just there were too many goals, too many bad mistake goals, and it wasn't all just the defense. But yeah, you know. um, I want to—I'm going to break up the middle f- midfielders from the attackers. So I want to say the midfielders, as in. The central midfielders. But not um, the so attacking midfielders. Not the attacking, not the okay. number 10, not the wingers. Um, because how did the, the you know, we, we basically never had the same two midfielders in every match. So I mean, by Yeah, the- they actually made signings so that we couldn't have the same two. And I think it was more of a bet than anything. <laughs> Can we play 37 different central midfield combinations? Yeah. Throughout the season, how can we make this work? And then, what if Tiago has to play a central right. midfield? And that's just it—they ran out of options, and they're just like, "Shit, we need one more." Oh, yeah. Hey, Tiago, get in there! And he's Yahtzee. like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, it. Uh, so I think by that barometer, it's an F. I, I don't think I saw a single pairing where I looked at. Aside from week one, I don't think I saw a single pairing where I looked at it and I was like, "That's the one." Do you remember You've who week keep one, that one was? Yeah, because it was Jeb Brovsky and Greg Jordan. Oh yeah, that did look good. And then. Greg Jordan got hurt for the season. Greg Jordan was sort of, when you looked at that defensive midfield role, you thought, this could be Greg Jordan's breakout year. And then he got hurt 12 seconds into the season. That's what I think when I think of Greg Jordan. I don't know what happened to the West. That was me singing. I just, I, I, what could have happened if Greg Jordan, and Greg Jordan is not this brilliant, amazing player. We didn't lose Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but Greg was such a solid player and him next to Brovsky, you're right. For more than for more than uh, eight seconds, whatever it happened, that would have been. He was interesting in the same way that Brent Coleman ended up being interesting. Like, yes. Let's see what Greg Jordan can make of this year. Let's see him get a, a run in the team 
for a long period and see what he can make of this role, which is yeah. pretty well suited and to then it. As, and then it just didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, and then after a dozen games, you stop thinking about how interesting it is that Brent's playing, and you just, like, but but that's, like, the best compliment for a player right, like yeah. that, for, like, Coleman or for, like, Greg Jordan, is that you don't think about the fact they're on the field. Like, you think about the fact that Ibsen is in the midfield because you're thinking, he's pressing so high into attack. <laughs> he's my, going to get sent off at any second. He's going to be sent off any second, and my God, who's supporting him defensively? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you have to keep that in mind with a lot of these players. But with, like, Jordan and Brovsky, it talking with Carl before the season, he was saying a big part of their offense, because they didn't sign a like-for-like -like replacement for Ibarra, would be having Davis and Venegas bombing up the wings as attackers but being able to keep jordan and brofsky back and have them slide in to be fullbacks mm -hmm. for counterattack options and we never got to see it aside yeah. from a loss and yeah. it's a damn shame because you don't have anyone else on the team other than you know those two who who really can who are mobile enough yeah. to do that i uh, thought vicentini got around the pitch very well for being 92 years old and having to use a walker yeah well I, he was uh, he was so amazing last year and the year before, but, man, he was not good when he came on this year. I think he just got old. <laughs> yeah. That happened. Really quickly. Um, let's talk about the attackers. My main thought about the attackers, I, I, I will give them, we scored a lot of goals. I don't know how it ranks up with everyone. I could look that up, I guess. But I would say, uh, I'd, I'd say, still, though, it's a C plus. Um, and the reason that is because it was never... There was, there were some great goals. There was some good moments. A lot of good attack, but never a really distinct um, image of of how this attack is going to work. Right, Christian worked so well with Miguel because he had someone who would be close to him, who he could interplay with. When J C Banks was at his best, he was close to Miguel or uh, Christian, and Christian was doing his back heels again. Right. Mm -hmm. Christian had a couple back heels to Danny and Spees, but Spees was never there. That number 10 was never interplaying well, I think, with Christian. Spees was interplaying with other people, maybe. Um, I, I think that there was a lot of failing to defend on those wings. Um, there was a lot Especially of... from Stefano Pino, well, who the, didn't yeah. defend the whole season. You're right, Lance and Lang the too. entire left side. Yeah. I think there was a lot of defending on the right side with Danny Cruz. Yeah. I don't think you saw any of it on the left side. Yeah, and, and when Jamie was in that, that brief period. Yeah. Um, so, and, and Christian had moments of genius, but whatever. So, well, yeah, I just gave my long speech about that. I, if you average it all out across the attack, I think C-plus is fair. I thought Christian still had a good year. I, he had a great year. He yeah. won the Golden Boot, but, and yet. And yet, like you say, he didn't, the, the players they put around him weren't focused on Christian Ramirez. It was focused on let's try this here and this here and this here. And it all didn't, it never worked together. You never, with the possible exception of that last half hour of the last game of the season, you never once saw them come together and be like, how are you going to hold this Minnesota team out? I, they're, they're just coming at you in waves. Other than that last half hour of the season, maybe the secret all along was Damian Lowe up front. Maybe Maybe he was the great answer yep. to the right-wing question yeah. that we had. For me, I would say, yeah, something in that C range is about right. The biggest measure for that, for me, is that in 2015 and years past before that, you would see them concede a second goal or a third goal, and you'd say, that's fine, they're going to score four. And you'd know that they would be able to do it somehow. This season, I never had that confidence. And once I saw the second goal go in, I was like, well, one point at best. 
and I, and for whatever reason, it just never seemed to be an option to win those big blowout matches. And like we talk about the signings that came in the offseason, between Spees and especially with Lance Lang and Stefano Pino, you looked at the team and said, all of the goals that were scored in the NASL last year are now playing for Minnesota. <laughs> every every guy who scored in the entire league is now on Minnesota's team. How can they not score goals? And that was sort of the question for most of the season. Right. It, it, if fantasy fantasy soccer was actual real, but it's not... And you have to sign players. You have to sign them, and then you have to coach them. Segway! And so, looking at the coaching staff, I think that was one of the big questions going into the season was, are you going to be able to start Pino and Ramirez up top and run some variation of a 4-4-2? And the entire season, we had a one-striker set with either Ramirez or Pino or Ish in spot um, play. So different desperate moments. There would suddenly be Pino up next to you know in the four four two. Right. Basically. So then putting that on the coaching staff and with Carl in his first year as a head coach, with Ian Fuller as a new assistant head coach or a primary assistant coach, I think was his title of some kind. That's uh, quite a title. It's it's like the. Do you want to be an assistant coach? No. Assistant How to the head coach. Assistant to the head coach. Yes, right? I'll be there. <laughs> Right. Uh, the Dwight Schrute of the coaching staff, who's also been called the Bill Belichick of the coaching staff, yeah. Ian Fuller. How did the coaching staff do? Uh, I mean, you can you could look around the whole team, and everybody on this team, had you asked them at the start of the season, they would have said, anything less than a championship is a disappointment, anything less than a playoff berth is a disappointment. And that includes Carl and the entire front office staff. So to have them finish out of the playoffs with... I think they finished eighth in the fall season, just a terrible run in. None of them are going to be happy. They they would, if they were telling the truth all the way along, they'd give themselves an F. I'd say a D. Because um, there was still good soccer played. There were still some pretty great moments. For the people of Minnesota? What? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean. <laughs> that's a minute. That's a Manny yeah. Lagos joke, everybody. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. At the end of when the When you day, have to explain them, they're good. Yeah. Um, I think that there was, there were, it wasn't, it wasn't a disaster year, uh, for me. Um, and I think that, that, that is for reasons we'll come on to next. I think that the team had a lot of, a lot of crap going on, right? And you, you, I've, I've gone on and on about this, but you have players who were distinctly afraid of getting injured. They were mm-hmm. saying it. They were acting it. You could see it on the pitch. They were doing it in training. And they um, were right to worry about not right, uh, getting injured. Jeb Brodsky mm-hmm. is going to be without a club and going into next year. And, you know, come May, maybe he'll still be here and be like, hey, can I train with you guys or something like that? But he's not going to be making any money. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys like that will be screwed, you know? Someone like uh, if, if Christian got injured, this is his big chance at MLS. He would probably come back from from an injury like that, and maybe someone in Mexico would pick him up. He could he could find a club. He's not dead, but but it distinctly oh. hurts. Greg Jordan will not be in MLS because he he would probably be one of those guys. One of the, one of the guys you're talking about as yeah. a, a maybe. Yeah. yeah, we talked a lot before the season started. He was on everybody's list of yeah. maybe right. maybe this and guy that, could and, be part of MLS. And all this is yeah. to say that you if you knew you were going to take Jeb. Jeb to MLS. You knew that a month ago. You could have started talking to him at that point. But no one knows what they're what they're doing. There are guys who are borderline. Someone like uh 
Someone like a Brent Coleman or a Danny Cruz, who are borderline, they think like they might get this conversation, but the t- club is telling them we're not going to talk to you about it. And so, what the hell? I mean, mm-hmm. are you going to play your hardest? And so, that's a big thing. This is a, We're talking coaching here, but that's yeah. a really t- tough thing to, to coach. You know, how do you coach a player like that who's saying to you, yeah, coach... When are they going to talk to me? About I'm not worried about that guy because they're going to bust their ass. I'm worried about the 20-some other guys who know yeah. that they're without contract next year. And a couple of them have signed pre-contracts with other clubs, and those are going to announce soon. But the, for 20-plus players on this 28-man roster, next year, this entire time, was weighing on their mind. They weren't trying to impress Carl or Manny, or anyone in Minnesota, as much as they were hoping, hey, Colin Miller's in town this week playing against Minnesota. I hope he likes the back heel I can provide in the 61st minute, man. So I think that you're seeing a lot of nervous players. I think that you could see in moments where it was on the coaching staff too, and you would see substitutions that just wouldn't make sense. And especially during the final two months of the season, where you would say, Jack Blake, not in the 18. Is he someone that we know has the youth to be able to run out a game? Sure, but we're going to bring in Giuliano Vicencini instead. There was a lot of decisions, and this is why, I, you know, aside from the results that, um, that Carl made, substitution tactics-wise that were just, you could tell he needed to, he was just desperate, right? He had to impress and, and it was it was going to be difficult. But we should move on. I want to grade the front office. And I'm going to just start off and say a, a, a D for this. I think um, at no there was some point where this team should have been able to have the courage to make the decision that we're going to Montreal impact this. And we are going to get rid of the dross, these older players, um, and instead, we're going to bring in a bunch of young people, and we're going to... Who cares if we get to the playoffs this year? It doesn't matter. We're thinking about MLS. The other option is, we want to win NASL. We're going to spend and buy these players. We're going to do this, the X, Y, and Z, um, and then we can figure out MLS next year. They didn't do either of them. And uh, there's other things that I think of dragging their feet on so many decisions. How long did it take them to announce Tim Carter as Academy? director have they have they yet uh, yeah i actually had to ask someone the other day that they and they they did in september september it was like june right when when it was when he was brought in yeah well Well, when it was leaked on reddit or whatever (laughs) yeah well however that goes people uh, people who follow the club were very aware that tim carter was going to be the academy director for most of the year and it got announced in september because something Right. We don't know why. And it, There's so much dragging the feet. Just finally, we, August 19th was this great day, but we had to drag our feet to get there. Yeah. Well, you make a perfect point that they were stuck. They could have gone two different ways this year. They could have been all in on the NASL season, or they could have been all in on next year's MLS season. And to not do either one of them and just get stuck in the middle is, I think, a mistake. And mm-hmm. you... That's the point you make, and I agree with it on 100%, Wes. And one final thing I'll say, just in the interest of time here, um, is that there were signings like Spees, Cruz, Brovsky that made a lot of sense. People with MLS experience see are the, well, on an extended trial of a season and playing match competition are these players who want an MLS. Those three did well. You look at guys like Bernardo Onyor, he was hurt 
pretty much the entire season. You didn't get a good read on him. Chris Cludy was brought in late, didn't play minutes, didn't get a good look at him. I wanted 10 more guys like that who you could just bring in through a revolving door and say, are they MLS ready? No. And then they move on to the next year. But the other thing I will say just really briefly is that it's very, very difficult to bring MLS players into NASL Mm -hmm. and have them act appropriately. Right. I, w- I was hearing conversation that, that Sinisha Ubi Parapovich has been amazing since he left here. Mm-hmm. Right, He came here on loan originally from Montreal. Mm-hmm. And that was in part because he was not ready to play in the second division. He thought he was too good for it. Right, And so he has said to, to certain people that, like, you know, I would have loved to, to have, have stayed there, but I, I was not basically ready to accept my, my lot in life. So I don't think bringing those guys in maybe was a good idea. Bring in uh, younger guys from USL or something like that um, sure. who, who might, might be um, up-and-comers. So, sure. Uh, so then let's go to we, how many questions we got? Three, yeah, four? Yeah, we've got um, Twitter questions. We've got a million, so let's, let's so try let's to come. Rep- let's take a break. We'll come back and do Twitter questions. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. Um, we have Twitter questions. We've got a lot, so we've tried to pull them down so that we don't uh, go extremely long on this. But let, let's start with, with this first one. So the, the first question comes from DS, which is at Mixolydian45. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, do you think we will hear any player announcements before NASL final, which is in two weeks, or will Minnesota United remain mum until after? I think things are going to get crazy very quick. Um, I don't think we're going to hear like 20 players signed in, in the next, but we're we're definitely going to hear something this week, and then we're we'll hear news will just keep happening. There will be some pretty big announcements every week, I'm sure. Uh, John, light like the Lumineers, or putting the Mum and Mumford and Sons? I don't even know what we're talking about. Great. Uh, we've got Andrew Lovgren at and L O V G saying, let's say you're the new Minnesota United president. Congratulations, you two. What are the first five things you do moving forward? Let's say the first one or two. Yeah, this is going to be a three-hour podcast yeah. if we do that. Uh, what, yeah, first first thing you do in your first uh, 100 days. What, what is that? Do you know? Sign a head coach. <laughs> no, that, we don't want to move that fast, Jeff. Let's back off. <laughs> We're not ready for that stuff. We're not yet. ready for that. We'll name one and I, then announce him about halfway through next I year. think that you're actually ready to work for this team. I think it's time. <laughs> what would you do? Uh, well, obviously getting the head coach is the first thing, but they've got so many things that are coming up in the next two months, basically. Between the expansion draft and the super draft, you've got all that coming up. You need to have the head coach in place and to have some sort of identity for the franchise going forward. And for for better or for worse, in the expansion year, that's going to be provided as much as anything by a head coach. Anything else you want to add, Wes? No. That's, uh, I think we would all make a head coaching. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm... I said this before, I think it's ridiculous they haven't announced one this week mm-hmm. and that they're not ready to, because I don't know if they've even done interviews. I, I know that they've talked to a lot of people. Call us, Siggy Schmidt. Well, let's talk about the current one then. Uh, Luke at Black Irish MN says, is Carl Craig done altogether in the organization or will he be offered another role? Wes? Uh, he, um, he certainly could be offered another role here, but like everyone else, he was told we'll talk at the end of the season. So I, I think that he should stay. I think his talent is developing youth. 
um, not just from his academy day, you know, all these things. I think that he should be USL head coach or just or on the coaching staff to deal with these guys because he is an absolutely great motivator. A lot of players will talk about that. So. Percent chance he's the head coach next season? Uh, zero. Uh, you heard it here first. There you go. Um, John, this one's for you from Colin O'Donnell at The Attachment. Does calling Wilco the American Radiohead denigrate Wilco or Radiohead more? I have uh, thoughts on this, too. Uh, I think we better go with your thoughts. Why are people asking me music questions? I couldn't I be, that's why, I couldn't that's be why, less qualified. No, you go first. This is at you. I, I think the last Radiohead album, which was just six, an hour and a half of Tekelo Ranty pulling down his pants and farting on Efren Shakes Masaba, hey. was not a very good one. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, I think it's more denigrating to Radiohead because I... Can't name a single song by Wilco I've liked in the last 15 years. Um, Wes, thoughts? You mean since uh, Yankee Hotel? Yankee Hotel, yeah. Oh, you didn't like uh, Ghost is Born? Not much. Uh, Take that, Wilco. Wilco, Not much. You were on notice. (laughs) Wilco have have declined a lot more, but um, I don't care about Radiohead anymore, but I will say it's more denigrating to Radiohead. Uh, Melissa Danner at Sweet Pea Twins says, Would Miguel Ibarra be your first choice DP for Minnesota United? One. I think that it's at Sweet Pete Wins. I'm just going to pretend. Oh, sweet, like Pete Moss. Sweet, sweet Pete, Pete yeah. Moss. Yeah. Sweet Pete is awesome. <laughs> it's so. the best Pete. Sweet Pete wins everything. Uh, Miguel Aparra is not a designated player. No. He, there's no reason he would have to be a designated player. He would not be. He's not part of the allocation ranking. Bring him back to Minnesota wouldn't require him to be a designated player. In and except he's under contract until 2018. And I've I've said differently. I, I've I thought it was until this year. Until 2017, and I'm totally wrong. Right. Someone just corrected me. You're welcome. Um, yeah, Jeff did. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, and he, if they wanted to bring him back next year, they'd probably have to pay. Maybe they'd pay. Or there'd be some, some sort of hush-hush, we'll give you all your merchandise back, Leon, and that way you don't have to pay the overhead costs on those because we still keep selling those. I mean, he played in the under-20 cup competition in this the week. middle of the week. Yeah. He not is good. not in the future plans for mm. Club Leon. But if, he, if they had to sign him, they, and they're not going to pay money to get him. So, no. yes, uh, he's not a DP. And then the last question from Matt Axelson at MW Axelson is, will Minnesota United need to wait for a coach signing before making player decisions, or is that just up to Manny? They, Leave it to they, Manny? Uh, Manny will make those decisions uh, just fine. Uh, they're, they're going to make some signings. I think um, there won't be any, they'll still be, it'll be January and they'll be working through their first DP uh, signing or something like that. Uh, I think that they, they, they probably have someone targeted, and I'm making, totally, this is not informed by anything. They probably have someone targeted, they probably had someone targeted in March, and they still need to fill out 18 forms and have 18 more conversations about it. Um, but they'll, they'll be making signings, and I, I imagine... I have to imagine there's going to be a coaching announcement in the next two to three weeks. Before Thanksgiving. Final Twitter question from at Jay Marthaler. Who's your pick for, for the head coach? Who do you want? This is I, for both of you. I don't know. I have no strong feelings. Tab Ramos? Sure. I don't know. My yep. top three candidates are all in their respective postseasons right now. So I think it's going to be waiting two or three weeks if it's any of them. Uh, actually, top four now that I think about it. You've got Brian Schmetzer over at Seattle. If for some reason they panic and decide to try to bring in a bigger name like Tata Martino was for Atlanta because they think they need that to get the cup, 
I think Schmetzer would be available and would be a great hire. You've got Kurt Anolfo over in LA, and you've got Robin Fraser in Toronto, assistant coaches who are ready for their chance. And then you've got Gio Savarese. Um, I've got a piece coming out about Gio later this week, actually, so watch 55 1. I, I was that. the one writing the Gio piece. No, I took dibs. I talked to him after the match. No. All right, Take good. that, Wes. Journalism. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, strong sweater game, too. He'd fit real well in MLS. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he, he was rocking the sweater this week. I will say that. Let me let me just say thanks, Sean, for um, for going through the whole for being the second this. choice. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> short notice available you're, you're, on short you're notice. Podcast is the number the one choice from from now on. So, um, you're you so John, you write the soccer centric uh, weekly column for Star Tribune. Yes, and you are on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at, at Jay Marthaler, uh, occasion podcast Easy. on the sport of podcast. Occasionally write for 55-1. Sportive. Have a... Sportive. Yeah, sportive. Oh, sportive. Oh. People think that it's a bike race thing, because apparently there's sportive bike races. Uh, Every so often we get tweets about bike racing. We I'll don't, tweet you we don't race bike. bike racing. Yeah, I think you should. Uh, Jeff? I'm at Jeff Ruder on Twitter. Right, and uh, I'm at MNNiceFC. Thank you, everyone. Uh, please send us more questions. Uh, we try to get through... Um, through as many as we can but uh, also send me love notes and uh, any feedback criticism or whatever West Burdine at 55.1 and um, yeah and then su- subscribe I mean we're on iTunes we're on Google Play we're on Stitcher we're on SoundCloud rate us tweet at us embrace us we're everywhere we're love in us. your refrigerator you guys, you guys need to know that we are in a bunker right now yeah and we want Wes and Jeff would love to get out of the bunker yeah the podcast bunker is it's Say there could have been a nuclear attack while we were down. What yeah. is it like know. out there? <laughs> it's been four Tell weeks. Tell us about the outside world. Right now, it's just, how's it's President Nixon doing? He seems like he's a trusty in, guy. Uh, felt from making a, a, a Halloween costume. So yeah, we need to get out of here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>